with the Westlaw Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports, with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above, as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. On this week's pod, we are going to be previewing the Indiana Hoosiers, uh, one of the four teams Northwestern does not play in the Big Ten, uh, out of the Big Ten East. Um, Indiana, you know, coming off a five and seven year last year, two and seven in conference. Um, not a lot back for them defensively. Tom Allen's second year. Uh, how's he doing as far as, uh, getting that defense shored up? I mean, (laughs) really well, (laughs) but, um, so the question is, um, given given what we're about to talk about, will this be as good as it ever gets for Indiana defensively? Um, so I should stop and say, to a casual fan, there might not be much to see in Indiana's defense, especially since, as Sam just said, this team won five games last year. But this is a unit just two years removed from the Kevin Wilson era and an absolutely epic stretch of awfulness. Um, In 2016, for the first time, they escaped the cellar defensively in the Big Ten. In 2017, in the right light, the Hoosiers were good? Yes, they still gave up a bunch of points, but when matched up with teams of similar talent, uh, this defense was up to the task. This was the number six total defense in the Big Ten. The number four pass defense in the Big Ten. This is Indiana we're talking about. Um, Yes, you could still run on Indiana, and the top teams most certainly did. But Indiana had a few players who could get to the quarterback, and most importantly, they had as good a pair of linebackers as Indiana has ever had. Um, So to Grayscales was the revelation in 2016. He didn't quite match his incredible production last year, but he was still excellent. And this time he had a partner, Chris Covington exploded as a senior, and the two linebackers combined for 174 tackles, for uh, 174 tackles, nine sacks, and an awesome 24 and a half tackles for loss. The Hoosiers also got solid defensive line play from ends Robert McCray III and Greg Gooch, and if you add all of this together, this unit was able to pressure quarterbacks, um, especially against like-talented competition. There's a reason Illinois, Michigan State, Rutgers, and Virginia scored between 0 and 17 points against Indiana, and why Michigan scored 20 points in regulation. Teams that didn't have strong running attacks played right into Indiana's strengths. If the Hoosiers could get to the quarterback, they could stay in the game. So the good news, unfortunately, ends here for Indiana. First of all, teams that could run the ball over Indiana did just that. None of the players I've already mentioned are the run-stopping, in-the-box type guys. These are finesse guys. Secondly, Indiana's secondary continues to be atrocious. Indiana intercepted five passes total last year, and two of those were scales. So they don't create turnovers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry, that number is so stark. Yeah, and That's again, amazing. but again, it should all go to highlight uh, how good this defense was against the run. Um, so, I mean, how the good this defense was against the pass, rushing the passer, like, that they could do. And this is coming after many years when there's literally nothing Indiana did well. Um, but with all that said, here's where things really turn south. 
Scales, Covington, Gooch, and McCray are all gone now. Um, Indiana has no returning impact players to speak of. The closest would probably be on the defensive line where senior defensive tackle Jacob Robinson and junior defensive end Andre Stallings are capable and they combined for seven sacks last year. But that's it. So the question then becomes, and this goes back to what Sam was saying earlier, um, is this a thing at Indiana now? Uh, Do Scales and Covington show that Indiana has made strides in developing talent? Or were these guys just a random flash in the pan? So even if the answer is the former, it's still hard to imagine Indiana bouncing back in the short term with so much talent departing. This feels like a a defense that's going to disintegrate. But given that that's probably going to happen, let's at least acknowledge that Indiana had a nice little run there defensively, um, and they at least seem to have elevated to a level above the very worst defenses in the Big Ten. Uh, Offensively, I mean, because last year they were maybe not as overpowering as they had been in years prior. Um, what what can we expect from uh, a team and bringing in a new quarterback? My, uh, my movie quote theme for Indiana is, I've got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> John, while you described that in 2016 the, the defense got marginally – better and then were close to good last year um on the other side of the ball the offensive S&P plus had gone from 15th in the country to 67th and then down to 98th they were the least efficient and least explosive offense in the entire big 10 last year they Uh-oh. were garbage Uh-oh. <laughs> uh yeah so going into the going into last year you know we expected quarterback Richard Legault who was a grad transfer into Indiana we expected him to improve some in his second year at the helm but we thought they would struggle on offense especially because you know they were losing coach uh, Kevin Wilson's perennial top end running back that prediction turned out to be pretty accurate Uh, Legault dramatically improved his TD to pick ratio um, but that was at the cost of about a yard and a quarter per attempt. Uh, and he, he fell into that range that is not so hot when it comes to yards per attempt. Under, uh, I think, under eight. Uh, the running game also dropped 20 yards per game. And despite those improvements on defense, the net turnover margin got much, much worse. They went from a, from a minus... Well, they went from a plus eight back in, uh, back in 2015 when they were pretty good down to a minus seven last year. Uh, Legault was spelled at times last year by freshman Peyton Ramsey. Uh, he's described as a dual threat, but he only averaged 2.5 yards uh, per rush. So I contend uh, that dual threatness, or at least the effectiveness of it. Uh, Ramsey is at least intriguing as a prospect because he was pretty highly rated. They've also got a uh, true freshman this year, Michael Penix, uh, who could be interesting as well. But all eyes are on the arrival of Brandon Dawkins, a grad transfer from Arizona. Uh, this guy was uh, presumed to be to become the starter at Arizona, but then was supplanted in Tucson by the incredible Khalil Tate. The running backs are back, uh, but there's no pro talent here. This is this is fruit dying on the vine. Um, Indiana, for all of the Kevin Wilson years, was producing uh, a top end running back who's now in the NFL. Uh, in a lot of cases, they did benefit. They they got the guy um, was it Jordan Howard who transferred from UAB when the UAB program went under. 
Uh, so they had some benefits there as, there as well. But we've long talked about how the Kevin Wilson system, which was an up-tempo pass-pass-pass uh, system, was really predicated on the ability to run the ball out of passing sets. And Kevin Wilson made stars out of his running backs as a result. That is gone. They don't they don't have the system to develop those guys. They don't have the talent coming in. Their offensive coordinator is the guy who got fired from Tennessee after failing to do anything with both Jalen Hurd and Alvin Kumara on the roster. Oh boy. Oof. <laughs> they do they do have one interesting freshman and that's Ronnie Walker. He was a pretty high uh high level recruit. He could have some pop. Uh, but he's a he's a, he's a true freshman uh, coming into this system where everything's really a question mark, right? And the other thing I've talked about for a long time with Indiana is their wide receivers. So we had this wide receiver coach swap with Indiana back in 2009. Um, we hired their guy; they hired our guy, and then Indiana promptly developed a bunch of uh, a bunch of high end receiver prospects uh, that got looks from the NFL. That has also kind of disappeared. Kevin Johns is no longer with the team. Uh, Simi Cobbs uh, was their kind of best receiver the last couple of years. He had some potential, but he left early and then was undrafted. Signed as a free agent, I believe, but uh, undrafted. And there's really nothing impressive uh, in the cupboard at wide receiver. Nick Westbrook has some size. The tight ends maybe have some potential. Um, and the best player is walk-on Luke Timian. Uh, and I, I don't mean to disparage walk-on wide receivers because we've had our share at Northwestern, uh, but he's going to have to do a lot better than the 600 yards he put up last year before I, I'm really going to pay it a lot of attention. Um, the offensive line has decent size. All five starters are very experienced, and they return from last year. But there's so little pedigree here. It's just really hard to see any positive nuggets on this offensive end. I, the, the one bright spot is potentially Dawkins. So uh, he he could really have an impact, um, especially if they get a, you know a little bit of an improved effort from from the more experienced offensive line. I, I'm not convinced that the running game can bring anything to the table, nor that there are enough weapons to really help Dawkins out. He's also a guy that didn't play the last two years. Um, he wasn't he wasn't the starter at Arizona. So while the potential is there, uh, the track record is not. I guess at the end of the day, the, probably the most positive thing you could say about Indiana is that they can't do any worse than last year on offense when they were, like I said before, the most inefficient and least explosive offense in the Big Ten. So looking at their schedule, it's not really a murderer's row of a non-con. Uh, open up the year at Florida International, home for Virginia and Ball State. Uh, then they get Michigan State coming in. Travel to Rutgers, travel to Ohio State, Iowa at home, Penn State at home, a Friday night game in Minnesota in uh, October 26th before their bye week. Then they get Maryland at home, at Michigan, and Purdue at home to wrap up the season. I this, the easiest way to call this for me is I think on September 29th they're going to be four and one, and I think on November 24th they're going to be four and eight. That's I, this to me feels like, um, I mean, we can't, we can't discount they, they had a good win against Virginia last year and they own Rutgers. They have just been annihilating Rutgers the past couple of years. So, um, I don't want to take that with a grain of salt. Um, but I, I, from October on, I can't find a win for them on this schedule. I mean, I, I just, Scuzz is painting a bleak picture offensively. And I see a defense going backwards, um, and I, you know, 
I just don't see wins for them. Any, I mean, at Minnesota, maybe. Um, I, we, t- I mean, we talked on our Maryland podcast about how, like that potentially being the sixth win for Maryland, like beating Indiana, and it just, it just, especially with the the losses on D, I just, I can't. I can't see this team doing well this year. I, I feel bad because, again, Indiana's coming off a special stretch of defensive football for them. And, again, you're talking about the the number four pass defense in the conference last year, um, but it's losing every player who played a legitimate role in that defense. And I'm just – I I want to believe that they've built up more of a culture. And, yeah, they probably have more of a culture than they did when Kevin Wilson was there. But – a, a, a mediocre at best defense and a crap offense is not a recipe for success. <laughs> um, well, they're they're trading last year. Their crossover games were uh, Illinois and Wisconsin, and oh, and Purdue as well. And this year they retained Purdue, but they're adding Minnesota, which I guess that's a I guess that's kind of a little bit of a wash, and adding Iowa. So. Yeah, that, I mean, schedule's really not that different. On they're going to they're gonna really need to repeat that Indiana win two years in a row. If they don't get that win, this season's going to go south for them big the time. In, the Indiana win? The, I mean, they need Indiana needs to repeat last year's Virginia win. Um, if mm. they don't, if they don't get that again, um, I their their season's going to go south really quickly. Yeah, um, ceiling. Okay. Can they go six and six? No. They they'd have to beat, in my book, yeah, Minnesota, and then, I mean, I'll, I mean, on another day we're going to talk about Purdue, and I'll be curious to hear what Scuzz has to say. But I mean, I Minnesota, and I mean, you know, getting that that road win against Minnesota, and then looking to pick up one from either Maryland or Iowa, um, it just seems like a tall order. Well, that that Minnesota game, it's a Friday night. Um, at the end of October in Minneapolis. Scuzz, what's Minneapolis like at, on a Friday night at the end of October? Yeah. Growing up in Minnesota, I never experienced a Halloween in which I had not seen snow previously. Right. So, I mean, it could maybe, be cold. Hey, maybe they maybe they, they eke out a 10-7 win or something like that. Um, yeah. I, 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 let's, let's be honest. The Gophers are going to be garbage this year, too, but... I, they just feel it feels to me like they have more fundamentally in place than Indiana. I don't know. I but that that game on the road, Rutgers on the road. I know Rutgers is a tire fire as well, but I I don't know that they beat Virginia guys. I mean, I no. I mean, that's a thing. Like if you like Virginia, Minnesota, Maryland, and maybe Purdue, you could talk into coin flip games. If they're Oof. going, if they're get if they're getting to six, they've got to hit every one of those pretty much. And I'm just like, I don't. I'm not seeing it. All right. Well, that'll just about wrap it up for our Indiana preview. Head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter, at Westlaw Pirates. You can call our voicemail line, 847-231-2287. That's 847-231-CATS. And email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe, Narek Skazbaugh, and Sam Walter, thanks so much for listening. See you next time.